Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the second part of opening weekend. The recap of Kerner, Brussel Kerner, brought to you by Join Cycling. We also have a recap of a very exciting edition on Jabil Hafid, capping off the UAE Tour this week, and an untelevised finish to Grand Camino. So we don't have too much on that because uh, I know Benji sees a lot in the Belgium TV, but it wasn't even televised. Uh, there, I believe that's where that's where you are now. Yes, in Belgium. I'm in Belgium. I am in Belgium. Had a bit of a busy day. Uh, baptism of my little niece, so it was a busy day trying to follow all the cycling while that was happening. UAE tour, I saw limited things. I know what happened, but not in what chronological order. When it comes to Universal Kuna, I couldn't avoid looking at that, of course. So I was sitting at like the lunch table with like my my phone, trying to watch every part of that race. But it, it wasn't. It depends because like. Your first reaction after the race was, okay, that was not the most entertaining race. Terrible and I'm guessing race. that's because it was relatively decided early which group was going to fight for the victory. But from my perspective, I was literally driving here after the hill segment. So I missed the boring part. No, you saw the boring part. Wait, what? I, yeah, the, the last hour and a half of this race. No, I, was, I was in the car driving here. Or the entire, oh. uh, wait, the entire last hour and a half. Yeah, unwatchable. Um, from my perspective, well, I mean, unless you thought something different would happen than to what I thought would happen. <laughs> but yeah, this is, maybe it's good to, yeah, while we think it's different, I guess it's good to have two antagonistic opinions. Uh, but uh, to remind you what the profile of this race is, 197 kilometers from Kothreik, which is in Kerna, uh, but Belgium, they like, and the UK, if it's two kilometers apart, it's a different city. Uh, so there, they go out of Kerner, and then there's a hill section which really ramps up between 95k's in and 135k's in, six climbs. These are longer than the climbs yesterday. These are 1.2k's at like 6%. They're not cobbled except for, I think, the Saint Laurent climb, which is the hardest of them, and the Kreuzberg, but like the Cote de Trieu is not cobbled. The last major climb is the Kreuzberg which is about 60 Ks to go. So the sprinters here, if there's a really strong headwind to the finish, they have a chance. If there's a lot of sprinters teams wanting to chase, they have a chance. If there's no strong team getting a big gap on the hills, they have a chance. But not good news for the sprinters before the race, Benji. Milan not even starting. Exactly. So there's quite a few riders that I expect to be at the start that weren't at the start. Milan was because of gastrointestinal issues, if I recall correctly. Dalia was expecting to be at this race personally because it's a race that I always felt when it comes to Dalia, these are the kind of races he really has to go for for that victory because in RVV and Roubaix, it's got to be harder because Van der Poel arrives there. <laughs> so that's a, that's a major factor there. And that changes Trek's whole initiative to a, a more attacking option. They've got Steven and Squins then as their two riders. Squins was good yesterday, Steven a bit less. We'll see what Steven does today. But that changes a bit, that reduces a bit of sprint power in that sense. But quite a few sprint teams still available. I think Philipson was the big one with 
Alperson, of course, but was Philipson going to remotely survive this? Questions like that. Anyway, we get to the start of the race, and this first like 30, 35 kilometers is flat towards the hill segment, and it felt like a very nervous first hour because there was no breakaway, multiple attempts by Dries de Bond, for example, and it wasn't until the actual hill segment start that we saw a five-man group, which was De Bond, De Beist, Mozzato, and two others that are slipping my mind right now. But those are the five riders that were in front at that point in the race. And I'm talking, they didn't get a major gap. Some rumors were saying 20 seconds. Some other rumors were saying up to a minute or something. So I didn't know what was happening. But after the segment, the boss in Arstrat, one of those earlier hills, you've basically got the run in towards the actual hills where you can expect some explosions to happen. But what do you think was the reason that the break took so long to, to form? Was it? Echelon scare? I don't really know why. Because, well, we don't have television coverage, but they didn't say on the live trackers. Because if there was echelon scares, there'd still be yeah. like, splits of groups of 50 or something, and they'd say that. So maybe just no one really wanted to go on the breakaway. Like, for example, Arkea, they're going for Damar, Mosato as well. FDJ got Pithy. Antomarche got a good result yesterday. They got Bini. Unox. Uh, got Varenskold and they don't go on the breakaway too much. Uh, I don't think, I think Pickerel didn't start for Israel Premier Tech. So I, but the answer is I don't really know, Benji. Um, because it was yeah, curious to I, me. I was expecting more action for the breakaway at the start. So in my head, I would expect a lot of people to try and go in the breakaway because historically, if your name is Stalko von der Horn, your breakaway gets pretty yeah. far in this race. But for me, the fact that there was no breakaway and seemingly the bond attacked a few times because you don't respond to the bond either when it comes to breakaway formation. It's not like he's a, the most dangerous rider in the world at this point. So I'd yeah. be okay with it, a bond going to breakaway if I'm in the majority of teams. So I think there might just be nervousness. I read somewhere there was nervousness in the, in the first part of the race. But anyway, with that behind us, we're getting towards a segment, Amanda Papin plus Le Bourliquet, the segment where last year, I think Van Hoydock hit the front before Amanda Papin really pulled it on one line, trying to make Jumbo Visma at the front of the group with like six or so riders and hitting those climbs as hard as possible and then going on the Bouliquet last year. I was wondering what they're going to do today, but it's this segment, right? It's from here until from here until Trieux, maybe, where the options are? To open the race? Yeah, and then you can even make further moves on the Kloisberg if you really push. But yeah, it's the, the wind direction seemed to be headwind coming south and then they turn and go right onto the Hamande de Papin section. And then you got a uh, cross tailwind at that point. So the wind direction was favorable for opening the race there. It's like 100 k's from the finish. And yeah, we saw Dylan Van Bala, I think, doing the positioning job for Visma Lisa yep. Bike. From what I can recall in the Dutch National Champs jersey, Jorgensen, Laporte, and Van Aert were definitely there. Hagenes had apparently been caught up in a crash earlier uh, in the race. Okay. And that, that's what happens. They push. With Van Baal on Hamanda Papin, people are under pressure. Uh, there's no massive split, but there's people dropping off. And then the next climb, Le Borlake, six Ks later, that's when they really went with, I think, uh, Benoit wasn't so good today compared to last year. They went with Jorgensen and Wout Van Aert and Laporte again. And they don't get the same size group as last year, though, because last year it was like completely gone, except for Wellens and Morris coming across to them. Yeah, but last year I felt like there was more of a a tactical unexpectedness in the way that they did it, as in 
Last year, if I recall correctly, three of the front riders rode off and the fourth rider Laporte left the gap there. And then all the others had to come around, three Jumbo Visma riders to even get in that group. So I think that that played a big role there. And I also feel like the, the segment from before Amanda Papin until Le Bourlequet felt faster last year. I felt like the tempo was, was faster than it was this year, the way I perceived it. It's, it's pure eye test for me at this point. But yeah, they hit Le Bourlequet. They're catching the five leaders, so the, the Bond de Bais group, at this point in the middle of Le Bourlequet climb, and that splits the group into pieces. And you're right, they don't get that, that tiny split, but we see important riders dropping. Obviously, Philipsen is gone at this point, but also Jasper Steven, which is... That's early, man, and yeah. that comes after the, the stuff he said about, wow, I'm on the same line of Peterson and so forth. Maybe he's sick at the moment, but if he's not, and this is his actual form, then, then it's not looking too good already with Steven's preseason, but there's plenty of time for him to get something right before the big classics arrive, but I wasn't expecting him to drop here, right? No, not that early, and I do wonder how Pedersen would have changed these two opening weekend races, actually. Yeah. Uh, it would have been really interesting to see him in that group of six or seven in Omlope yesterday, how that would have changed the dynamic. Uh, so, well, actually, Scones was there as well. They would have had two riders, and they would have had a really good chance of winning then because uh, Scones would have then been more aggressive. So I, I really think they missed a trick, not sending him to opening weekend. And I think Trek could have got... Scones needed a sprinter companion uh, in these two races because he makes this yeah. group. But before we get into then the next phase of the race, our show partner, uh, supporter for this episode is Join Cycling. As you know, i got a big week coming up. It's like my last big week before a taper week before we hit some of these climbs, Benji. I think we're doing the Berkton Alta uh, as well. Yes. So, which 1.1 case, 5.8%, I ain't scared of that. Uh, I'll Mate, be fine with there's a uh, double figure 15% segment in there, I'm afraid. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, and we have to do 57 other segments, but I'm using Join Cycling's <laughs> classic training plan for that in the middle of March. The true, the best adaptive training platform on the market. I've got a 15-hour week coming up. It's given me a little bit of recovery because I input that I got injured. Uh, not really injured, but I had to take a few days off the bike. It adjusts the training plan for me. I got a five-hour ride next Saturday, and it builds me up gradually this week as I get back out on the road. And it has a whole number of specific training plans for various events. If you're doing your Grand Fondo coming up, you want to prepare for it. You don't want to, you don't have time or the money to get an in-person coach. I think Join Cycling is the answer for you because in terms of pricing, best on the market as well for that if you compare it to its competitors. Uh, and it does all that I already said with adapting to your lifestyle and goals. So if you want to check it out, 30-day free plan for LRCP listeners as well as a discounted six-month subscription after that. So there's no strings attached, not even inputting your credit card. If you want to, if you're training, you want to get better, want to test it out, there's no harm in doing so and it helps the show as well. So go and check it out through the link down below. Thanks to Join for sponsoring our opening weekend coverage. The next phase, Benji, is interesting because the group is bigger than yesterday. It's not this immediate split where Visma had this like dominant position. There's a lot of other favorites still yes. here. You got uh, Lascano, Pithy, Wellens, Alaphilippe, Schoens, Gotara, who was very, very good yesterday. Campenarts, Morich, Binium, Turns, and they have four Van Bali, Jorgensen, Laporte, Van Aert. So it's still 
it's kind of got every favorite really in this race. Like, who's even missed this? Ooh, Philipson, I guess. Philipson, but you don't necessarily expect him to make that group, right? I'm thinking through the teams in my head right now, but I think those are the most important riders yeah. that you'd see in there. Maybe you'd expect the Trotnik to make it, but you can't get every single Visma rider in a in a group like this anyway. So they they got the most out of it, I reckon, with four riders in there. But this group is straight off Le Bourlique. We got to keep in mind this hammered the group behind, which means that there's now like leftovers all on the road behind, and we're now running into the Mont Saint Laurent where Wellen sped up last year, and this is where you'd once again expect something. I think it's like 1.1 kilometers cobbled, quite relatively steep in places. It like it keeps going on the Mont Saint Laurent. So if you really want to keep pushing, it's kind of like, is it a a harder version of the Bosbeck? I think it's yeah. I think it's harder. Um, I think it's actually really quite difficult in terms yeah. of, let me look at the, yeah, it's got a 600 meter section of 11% and it's cold. Yeah. That's pretty difficult. Uh, so it's a longer one. Wells was really good on it, as you said. And we're looking to see here that Visma is going to want to thin this out more. They don't want to have three or four in a group this big. Tratnik had been pulling earlier. So he actually, after winning Omlop yesterday, he was on Afini duties because Afini didn't start today. Uh, <laughs> and because hey. Vanna you get the winner of Trotnik <laughs> to do your positioning at the start of the stage, right? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and curiously here, Van Aert goes. And what was interesting was that when we read out all those favorites and they made this group, it's what you said, Benji. And it was no surprise this time. Because if there was surprise, not every one of those favorites make it on Le Bourdequet. They all knew yeah. this was going to happen. And then Saint Laurent, Van Aert goes, and he drops pretty much everybody. The camera work was really... They decided not to show Van Aert attacking for most of it, so we didn't know exactly what was happening. It looked like Laporte was going with him, and then it cuts back, and he's on his own in terms of having no teammates, and he's with Wellens, Pithy, uh, the young Kiwi on FDJ, and Lascano. So what do you make of this move here? Well, if you look at the group, you've got four riders of Visma, and all the other riders are single riders. So they're unlikely to keep cooperating with four Visma riders. They're expecting Visma to keep going. And if I'm going in ahead of Visma here for a second, you probably don't want to just keep pacing with all these other riders in a reel eventually anyway. So at some point in the next 30 kilometers, you want to re-split the group and you want to make sure you still have a numerical advantage. But to do it with Van Aert attacking on Mont Saint-Laurent and go into a one versus one versus one versus one situation, is a bit more risky, in my opinion. Yeah, it's definitely like you've probably got what six of the six of the nine, six of the ten strongest riders in the race, and you elected for the last two hours to a one v three scenario. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was surprised to see that. Now, fortunately, I guess for Vana is the composition of this suits him, except for one wrinkle. Yes. There's one wrinkle. And that's Pithy sprint. And unfortunately for Pithy, he's shown how good he is in Cadell's uh, and in other races with his sprint. And it was in it's incredible to see him making this move as well. So that was awesome to For see. Sure. To make that split with those guys is really, really a big step up. So kudos to him. We saw then those that, that group starts pulling because I immediately thought, well, they're going to want Laporte to come back to this or Jorgensen. And we see in group two, Visma are chasing with Van Bala, Jorgensen and Laporte pulling. And that was curious. We saw Visma pulling at the front of both groups. And at the same exact time on the Mont Saint-Laurent, 
behind group two, so behind the Van Barla, Jorgensen, Laporte, Alaphilippe, whatever leftovers there were group, you've got attacks from behind. So you've got a, a bit of a, I think it was a, a five-man group being created with Scotson, Wright, Brat, Segard, and also Verstand Hagenes, where Hagenes was also riding. So you've got Bismarck riding in all three groups <laughs> yeah. at a certain point. And I was like, I, I was trying to figure out the strategy here because... Did they not 100% trust Fanard against Lascano, Wellens, and Piffy in that sense that they're also pacing in Group 2? Do they want to keep their numerical advantage at hand? And But then again, if you want your numerical advantage at hand, if you, if you make the situation, you make the situation with Fanard in that four-man group, you gotta, you gotta embrace it, in my opinion. Because the chance that Piffy drops in the rest of the race is relatively likely. Lascano and Wellens, I'm expecting to keep going and keep holding on. So it's gonna be a 1v1v1, and I think Fanard can... Can keep track of two people on a, on a, on the flat. If it was a four man group or a five man group, I I'd get worried. So it would depend on whether Piffy can follow or not. And then in group two, I'd be like, the pacing isn't. On one end, you want them to stay close, so there's always pressure from behind when it comes to Visma. So the others keep riding without fan art. But on the other hand, you then see them a bit later. I think. Oh, I don't know exactly the kilometer, but I think on roughly 70 to 60 kilometers to go, a move in that second group with Jorgensen, with Mohoric, and with... Who was the third rider? No, that was just those two. It's just those two oh, pulling yeah, you're together. Right. Uh, Mohoric attacks, Jorgensen tags on, and he starts pulling with him as well. And maybe that's what you're saying, is having some pressure from behind is to force them to keep pulling and not to just attack. Maybe that was like in Paris-Roubaix when Van Hooydonk attacked across, trying to get across. It meant Alperson couldn't start playing the numbers game early. I don't know exactly. Uh, but maybe that's what the thought was, Benji. Okay, Lascano and Wellens, not good sprints. Big engines. Pithy's the problem. We get to the Cote de Triu, which is the, the last really quite difficult climb of the day. And they're pacing, pacing, pacing. And then Vanard has a big attack just before yeah. the crest. And that spits Pithy out the back. And the other two start to relay with Vanard. So it seemed to be that reduce the group even more, get rid of the sprinter, and then these two are going to... Uh, but you still got 60Ks of flat here, but I, had no, I never saw the peloton for like an hour and a half. I thought the pel I knew the peloton. They had to be four minutes back plus. Yeah, I thought they were in the Shadow Realm in Narnia, and we, we didn't hear at any point right now, like before the last 35 kilometers where that peloton would be. And I want to take a, a half-minute break to talk about something. In this race, Kuhn-Bressel-Kuhn, on a specific climb, I don't know which one it is, and also when you cross the, the last lap, the finish line of the last lap, you get bonus money. In Belgium, we call this a, a premium. I don't know what the English word is of that. A prime. But Wout knows where every single one of these is. He, he, and I remember, was it on the Tichembeck or something? In E3, in a, yeah, he attacked for a kitchen set. Yeah, the man is stacking the bonuses. So what you're <laughs> saying money, is... <laughs> kitchen you, sets <laughs> you gonna make the Roubaix cobblestone some sort of gift voucher and then I'm he's got a better chance I'm wondering does that go to Wout or does that get spread through the like the personnel of the team for example I don't actually know <laughs> I don't know um, does it enter I your don't... pocket <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, I doubt I'll be seeing it um, <laughs> I didn't know they existed so <laughs> but yeah apparently that was the case there they exist, um, and I don't think Lascano would know where they are. Wellens <laughs> might. Lascano would know where they are. He's what, a Basque rider on 
<laughs> of yeah. Star. Maybe, oh, he's got Jürgen Relance in the car. Uh, but this, now, to me, the race is over because Lascano yeah. and Wellens are trucks. Van Aert's a truck. We've got three trucks. In Australia, we call that a road train out in the, out in the, in the outback. Mate, <laughs> even against the full peloton, I'd consider taking the card of these three riders. Because they can keep moving, especially a tired yeah. peloton. And <laughs> yeah. the situation in the race with like 30k to go with the hills behind us and so forth. Bernard Lascano Wellens, three minutes behind them. Mohoric, Jorgensen, and Piffy, who had yeah, dropped, dropped from the first group. 340 back, so 40 seconds behind the Mohoric group. You've got uh, a bit of a, a response group. Campenarts attacked together with Vito Braten and uh, Fred Wright. They're uh, 40 seconds also ahead of the peloton. So the peloton was on. Two minutes 20 of the front of the race at this point. So Peloton's not catching 420 in the last 30 clones with tired domestiques, domestiques that were dropped, sprinters that are also kind of tired. The entire group is tired. So that, that was not coming back. It was all about, for me at this point, how close can the Peloton get in terms of which position can they fight for? And with 18k to go, they catch group three. So Campenards, Brat, and Wright. And then with 12 kilometers to go, they suddenly show up Behind group two, behind the Mohoric group. So 12k to go, once again, Van Aert, Lascano, Wellens, working perfectly together. So they kept on working together. We can discuss that in a second. Two minutes down still, Mohoric, Jorgensen, and Piffy. And the peloton only 30 seconds behind them. And the peloton, it looked like they were going to catch that group. But do you have an issue with the fact that Lascano and Wellens kept working with Van Aert so easily up until a certain moment? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, like it, they pulled for way too long with him. At least pulled, and I know he's pulling hard as well. But and it, and if you don't pull, you might get attacked. I also thought Wellens was like putting Lascano under pressure a few times. Yep. I was like, he's your only chance. You two <laughs> need to work together to solve yeah. this Van Art problem here. And I didn't really see because like, and then Lascano was looking back as if to see where where a group was. I was like, you guys have got three minutes. With 10Ks to go, like you're not, you can track stand uh, the whole way in here. And I thought attacks were going to start. Well, it, it doesn't actually matter when the attacks start. It, to a certain extent, I thought at least 5Ks to go, they'd start. But it's more the number of attacks. And I guess the closer you get to the finish, then the easier it is for Van Aert to just go on the front and ride sub-threshold and then go for the sprint. And that seemed to be what he wanted to do. And so, yeah, there's basically one attack. Using some road furniture from Wellens, Van Aert snaps onto it. He comes with huge speed. I'm like, he's going to go over the top, and he stops in the wheel, and then starts again and starts pulling. But Lascano comes back and doesn't attack because he's kind of cooked, and that's it. <laughs> he just starts pulling, <laughs> pulls to finish. Lascano starts laying off, and through the last left-hand turn, he takes a run at the back wheel. They all know it's coming, like they both know it's coming. Van Aert gets into his wheel, gets the lead out from him. 
waits, 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 and then sprints with like 175 to go and, and wins the sprint comfortably against Wellens. Wellens second. Uh, he was the strongest probably in the race last year, Wellens, just about. And he, he came fifth in the end. So I, I sort of yep. I knew he would be really wanting a podium result, especially after yesterday. And, uh, you know, flatting when I think he had fantastic legs yesterday. And then last kind of third is his second podium in uh, a Cobble Classic after Duas Duel last year. So, I mean, they had the podium basically sewn up at 30Ks to go. Uh, but also they're probably cooked, I guess, is the answer. Um, but yep. I was surprised to see such willingness to ride with and one attack, basically. And the thing is, yesterday after Omlob, there were already like tweets about, and, and like art, actual articles about doubting Wout van Aert's form after uh, he, got, he got dropped by Squeans or he couldn't close Squeans very easily there on the, was it the Molenberg? I don't fully remember, but on one, Berendries, you're right. So, but in reality, I never really doubted it, you know, as in like, his form was fine yesterday for Omlop. He was one of the strongest riders in the race. His form's not good enough to win a monument, but they're five weeks away. So he's not riding MSR anyway. So it doesn't really matter that he's not in like Roubaix form. But today he shows that he was the strongest rider in this race. Yeah, for sure. He basically created, pushed on Borlake, or I can't remember. Oh, went yeah. on Mont Saint Laurent, dinted out more, dropping Pithy on, Ber on Cote de Triou, and then. Did the lion's share of the work pulling and uh, yeah, then, then won easily in the sprint. So it was kind of, I, that's why I said it was a formality because once that group formed, I knew the sprinters seemed zero chance coming back after the Kloisberg. And uh, I knew those two guys would pull for the podium almost yep. too much. And so it was kind of a formality in the end. Van Aert winning ahead of Wellens, Las Cano third. Laporte won the group sprint behind for fourth. Echo fifth. Emilien Giannier, 6th on Total Energy. Luke Lamperti, 7th uh, for Quickstep. Tamino, 8th. Mayhofer, 9th. And Sturven, 10th. So, Jorgensen, Moric, and uh, Pithy get nothing out of the race in the end, uh, which is a bit of a shame, but yeah. that's, that's what happens with the long flat uh, run into the finish. So, yeah. Well, teams will have seen, and I think he's on a contract here. Pithy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. teams will have seen. So Gregoire, Martinez, Pithy, Laura is that a contract? In my head. I don't see it. Why not? Allez les bleus. Allez les gars. <laughs> I, just, I just don't see it. I feel like there's always like, whenever there's like a, a Kiwi rider or a British rider going to Groupama, I always feel like their lifetime there is, is limited. Who have they had? Uh, Jake Stewart. True. Joe Lewisowski. Yes. Completely forgot about everybody else, by the way. Yeah. Maybe it's because, like, Plowright as well. He's not a Kiwi, but he went from the yeah the dev team as well to Alperson. Uh, but, yeah, he, he no no result on the in the end, but he was very, very strong, very impressive from Pithy. And, um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of Kerner, Russell Kerner. I don't think... Yeah, I, I, I would have liked to see Van der Poel and Pedersen here, obviously. That would, that would have yeah. made it... Made a lot different, uh, a lot more exciting. Um, I'd say Benoit and Van Bala didn't look quite as good as last year. Uh, I would say Laporte looks like scary good. Yeah, but when it comes to Benoit, it's also like he had... He crashed in Algarve, yeah. He was ill and then Algarve, the crash, and then he had to like skip a few races as a consequence of that. So I, I find it normal that he's not in perfect form here. Yeah. Uh, Lascano is also in theory out of contract, although I heard he might have extended. So 
Um, that's well, another. If rider. I'm Movistar, that's a priority to be honest. Yeah, you gotta keep him. You can't let Jorg and him walk in back to back years. Um, no way. So, uh, okay, that's Kerner. Uh, and we actually have a big gap between before the next classic. It's still Brugge Panna is nearly a month away. E three is a month away, Mate. so it actually is is quite a while. Strade. Oh, I mean like a cobble classic. I guess that's a, <laughs> no, Strade's a Pogaccio warm up race. Bro, Le Samer. Uh, yeah, I mean Delia win Le Samer and be like, yeah, where were the Vismas here today? He said yesterday, <laughs> Delia said he was the strongest in the race yesterday after the race. So, <laughs> to be honest, I, I listened to half the interview <laughs> and in a certain segment, like half the interview was like talking about, oh, there's not much you can do with all these Vismas around. And then on the other end, he, were, he was like, it was like on one end of the interview cocky and on the other one like playing the underdog. It was like interesting dynamic. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess listen, man, uh, is actually a good race to watch. That's coming up. Uh, otherwise, around the traps, we have uh, we don't we had UA Tour finishing today, and that was really really exciting finish with Van Aedfelt taking the stage and GC uh, Vine. There was crosswinds before the climb. Vine O'Connor. And Van Wilder made Group One all the time in those crosswinds, yep. but they were eating a lot of wind, doing a lot of work. And back in Group Two, Bill Bow and Van Aethel, they didn't hit the wind once, which is a risk. And then yep. for some reason, Jordi Wallop pulled uh, with Van Seven on and hit in group in that group to bring them back to Van Wilder, which made no sense and caused Van Wilder GC positions. Uh, I think. <laughs> and but it all came back and this is why it's really interesting when you have like the sprinters are actually really useful for the mountain stage when you've got like Bauhaus and Nikias aren't pulling Bilbao back on the flat and he sits yeah. in but yeah that was a moment there those two were the strongest on the climb and they were off the back multiple times and then we get to the climb McNulty had been off the back in the crosswinds he drops almost immediately once the pace actually gets serious from uh, Decathlon Vine then drops after Björk paces for 30 seconds he got on the radio he drops and Bjorn kept for, pacing for a second. He, it's like he didn't know what to do when his two leaders yeah. dropped. <laughs> he just is on... Then he went for his own GC. Um, and then Decathlon quickly switched to defensive pacing mode. They don't need to then blow up the, yeah. the climb anymore. And so Trine goes on the front for Bahrain to lift the pace. Strong headwind. They went really slow today. Uh, not as big watts as normal on her feet with Yates or something. Like Yates would have cleaned, obviously. Uh, and... O'Connor just gets rolled over and over and over and over and over. Bilbao, Rubio, Verona, Poole, uh, Valter, and then Van Wilder. And then Van Aedvold goes just over the crest following Stora. And it kicks up again. Bang, hits them and uh, rides away. And he'd been hiding on the wheels nicely on this climb, except he tipped his hand when Bilbao did attack through the big hairpin. He went boom, straight out of the grip to Bilbao. And I was like, he's got good legs. And he goes away. He's six. He's twenty six seconds behind O'Connor on GC though. He's got his fifteen hundred meters left. And there's no way he can win GC. They're gonna people will chase from behind. No real chase coming. Bill Bauer attacks O'Connor again, going for the win. So, why is O'Connor not pacing now? Oh, he was fucked. Oh, they kept they kept attacking him. Yeah. Bill Bauer attacked him. Van Wilder pulled, and I think as well. So I think he was cooked. Uh, Bill Bauer was the strongest in the end out of that group. But yeah, Van Aethelt had the best legs in the end. And he wins the stage, rides through the line. I think the other riders would have sat up and celebrated earlier. Clock's ticking, Bilbao second with O'Connor third, 22 seconds. That means that because of the bonus seconds, Van Aethel wins GC by two seconds. 
And uh, it's not the only reason he won GC, but remember he went in that breakaway for D, to stop detraining on Friday. Yep. He took six bonus seconds uncontested in that breakaway, and that's the difference uh, winning GC here. So a lot of Destiny got to be happy with that, Benji. He's another man out of contract. 500 UCI points, I think, today. With Von Hill's top fiving, I think, on in Von Drom or Von Ardesh, one of the I don't know the order of these these two races. I always forget. But I think Von Hill's got third or fourth or something there. But with Von Eidfeld doing this, this is their first stage race victory in seven years. 2017 yeah. Guangxi. And I with don't, Wellens. And I put UAE above Guangxi, no offense. Yeah, I would too. It's like yeah. probably one of the highest ones they won in very recent years. So, in like not even very recent years, in, in a, long a long time, time in a decade. And I feel like Lotto the never had points... a problem with talent. They never had a problem with talent development. They are yeah. a good talent development team. I'm not saying this because Benji works with them. Um, I tell him Victor Kamenas, by the way, you got to figure something out with Mate. him this weekend, Benji. I don't know what he was doing these races. But... <laughs> <laughs> hey, he made the group. <laughs> yeah, at what cost? Um, <laughs> But, but Lambrecht, rest in peace. Unbelievable yeah. talent. De Lee, unbelievable talent. Van Hill's Crone development. Van Aedfeld, they got no problem developing talent, scouting talent. Van der Paar, that other kid that's like 18 on the junior team or U23 team, yeah. who's like uh, 56 kilos. He looks real good. Belgian, I don't know his name. Benji will be related to him or something. He's so... I'll find his name in a second. But they got no I problem talent, devel talent development. They're making it back to World Tour in 26. Yeah. Guaranteed. I think so too. And I feel like this year it's been... I also feel like they've been a bit unlucky when it comes to some UCI points in the early two, two months. Because obviously for a lot of people, it's been races disappearing. But then when Andalusia went the way, I think they lost quite a bit of GC points there because Van Hills with that form would have actually competed for a top seven in GC, is, is my view of that. But also with, with this with Lena van Eetveld, it's really the climbers that are delivering. I feel like Van Eetveld, Van Hills, those are real UCI point scorers at the moment. And I'm curious when the delete points will start kicking in. Hopefully in Le Sommet. Yeah, Le Sommet better win that after skipping <laughs> Mate, <this. Yeah. laughs> Both Menton and the Lee on that star line, if they don't win, sorry, <laughs> but. <laughs> Who won last year? Fratin? Menton? I don't remember. Menton won some of this, this race. Might uh, have. Luke Romano is Yana Widar's that young guy on their dev team. He's really good. Uh, really, really, really good. So. He actually reminds me of Lambrecht a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, to, to your point there, Van Edveld, what do you see from him? Because this is a big win. World Tour, listen, w World Tour GC wins, they ain't easy to come by. Even Guangxi Visma won that last year. UAE won TDU last year. Like, World and Tour GC wins, if you're not on, e uh, not even Ineos anymore, if you're not on UAE, Visma, or Bora, they're not easy to come by. Schelmos was like the exception last year, winning Swiss. And I also kind of like his schedule, as in when it comes to... It's kind of the schedule that he currently has planned, the one where you would expect a, like a, a Gros or a Matthews to go to, like the, the versatile sprinters like Catalonia, Romandy. Romandy, I'm like, ooh, time trials. Swiss, I'm like, ooh, time trials when it comes to Van Eetveld. But his focus is on the Hill Classics and on uh, the Vuelta, which. I think the Velta's a good idea. I think the Hill Classics, I'd like to see where he can go when it comes to Flesh and LBL, to be honest. Mm, I think he, yeah, yeah. Why not? 
you, they don't have eight better riders than him for Liège or seven better riders than him. So they got a, they show could a strong he, team. He's better on the longer he climbs, win? I feel. Could he win Polonia if you send them there? I think he can top three GC there. But the TT... Depends on the climbs. TT's no good. Uh, yeah. he, he does have good watts. He's got a good sprint, as we saw. Like he, he does have that good burst. He must have good three-minute burst to, to take that gap yeah. on this finish. They weren't stopped behind him. He came... Uh, he won the sprint behind Vine on Jais. He yep. beat Vlasov and McNulty in the sprint at the end of uh, Tramontana and Mallorca. He's got decent punch. Flash podium is possible. Mm, depends who goes. Positioning uh, not, is key. I'm not sure it's but... two mins. But uh, certainly very, very exciting rider. 22 years old. He had that issue with the... Uh, the medication last year, yep. but if you actually read into that, it basically seems like he declared everything correctly. The uh, officials who, like, basically did the wrong thing in 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 him uh, getting. Look, he wasn't even provisionally suspended. He like he took a medication that was allowed. He declared the medication. They didn't read it properly, or the, the officers or whatever didn't read it properly. And then because Lotto Destiny's NPCC, because there was a question mark, they immediately had to provisionally suspend him. Uh, as a team, he didn't get a UCI suspension. Yeah. And then it all got cleared up and it was like, what the fuck? Um, so uh, that's, that's how I recall it. Uh, so Van Aver, very, very exciting climber and uh, it's no small thing to win to win a World Tour GC race. O'Connor, I think, would probably be disappointed given how he, they would have felt halfway through her feet, but still second is a, is a nice result for, for Decathlon in a World Tour GC race as well. Bahrain third with Bilbao, the ever-consistent uh, GC rider, but never quite good enough to, to win the big one. Van Wilder fourth, Valter and Stora climbed very well, fifth and sixth, Pool seventh, Brana Rivera, actually a very nice result for Ineos in eighth, Verona ninth, Lemon tenth, and Foss just fell out of the top ten. So uh, not the biggest Watts ever seen on her feet, not the strongest edition ever, Benji, but actually the most exciting edition of her feet I've watched in a while. Yeah, I don't know because I didn't see most of it. So well. thanks for gloating it in my face. Well, just what's, what's don't mean excitement. Yeah, that's true. Like, they don't and mean excitement. You, for the entire climb, you're kind of guessing who's going to actually win the race. Exactly. I didn't know. I really didn't know who was going to win. Like, is O'Connor doing that one effort too much? Is Bilbao going to crack himself? Is Van Wilder waiting in the wings? It, it was really... Is Rubio going to go on a flyer? Uh, it was really good. But yeah, interesting to see Stora uh, freed coming fourth on that stage is, is a really nice result. He... Uh, he looked decent in TDU on the longer climb. He was better. He's doing Paris-Nice uh, next in about 10 days. Uh, otherwise, in Gran Camino, the stage wasn't televised. It was also shortened because of bad weather conditions. Somewhat, uh, I had a wry smile when, you know, the big teams, which I presume Visma were included, they put pressure on the organizers not to count the GC times in the opening TT because of safety or whatever and risks. And then in the, in the descent yeah. yesterday, Vingegaard on a dry, wet descent, does like a Garzelli or who was the the, the Italian missile? Savoldelli, dude. Savoldelli. Garzelli. Whatever. Savoldelli <laughs> does a Savoldelli. I knew it was close. Impression on that for a 2.1 stage win, dropping poor Castrillo. And I was like, I mean, the organizer probably like, are you serious? We couldn't count the GC <laughs> times for the, the, the TT? He's doing this and he's excited to watch, but Jesus. Um, Tarling was also very, very impressive yesterday. And then today they had. Uh, yeah, Mount Top finish, no idea really what happened. No one really does. And uh, Vingegaard won again ahead of Lenny. Good result from Lenny, 16 seconds back. Carthy actually had good shape here. 
problem was they made him write for Carapaz half the time or two thirds of the time. And uh, he was actually by far and away ES best writer. So I, I actually think Carthy could have finished on the podium in GC here if they flipped that order. Bernal, good. Uh, Otobrook's on a minute. Javier Roma, good for Movistar. In terms of GC, Vingard wins by 155 to Lenny Martinez. Bernal, 211. That's a very, very big gap in a three-day stage race, uh, given that the TT didn't count. So Vingard looks in the same shape as last year, I dare say. Yeah, true. And then we'll, lastly, we had uh, the Krai Winkelhoff Omlop von het Hageland. That is a chat GPT generated name, 100%. I don't believe <laughs> that's, that's an actual that's an actual thing. But apparently the winner of that is Kristen Faulkner ahead of Miss, uh, Misha Bredewald and Farfur Georgie. I'm curious how the race went. It was relatively hilly parkour. So I don't know. I don't know what the race was like. So I'm kind of just reporting the results of this one. But Faulkner, that's her first win for her new team, EF Education Canada. She was on Jayco last year, probably one of their best riders, and left there, the American... And uh, she actually hadn't won a race, if you don't include the Pan American Games ITT, which I don't, uh, yep. until for the Giro 22. So she actually had a bit of a drought in Europe. And um, yeah, so they're off on the right foot, look like uh, some sort of small group sprint, or I don't know, maybe she got caught, because I wouldn't expect her to be quicker than Georgie and Norsgaard in a sprint, but uh, I'll have to catch up on that one. Uh, that's Question. Oh, Fawn Drum, here she won, the Dot Pro. Here she and Uso won. So... If you really think about it, Benji, UAE won this weekend because they got the most points, just about. I wouldn't classify it like that. You get the As trophy. Omlop and Kurna are more important than Fon Ardesh and Fon Drom, I'm afraid, in my opinion. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like, if I'm a team, I'd rather win the big races than the UCI team ranking. But then again, it depends on what your sponsor wants. And if UAE is actively like interested in getting the team ranking and cares a bit less for these races like Omelop and so forth, then, then I can understand that it's okay from UAE's perspective, but it doesn't make them the best team of the weekend. To be honest, UAE were good this opening weekend. Yeah. I, uh, when you think about it, they came second, in both, second. second in both races. That's good for a team where you look at their classics for line sure. and be like, uh, not that good who they got. You it's know? an upgrade from last year. Well, there's some teams... Some teams who hang their hat on their classics squads, like Quickstep, like Little Trek. Jayco here. Jayco, really bad. Really bad. I don't know where Bling is, but... Uh, Schmidt? Yeah. In, in terms of Matthews, <laughs> at worst, Matthews comes fifth in Kona today. At worst. Yeah. No offense to the Total guy who I didn't know before, who came fifth behind Laporte. But like, Bling's making that group if he's not sick or something. Yeah. And then in Omelope yesterday... He's probably making that group too and coming top 10. So I really was, I, I don't understand. Because then RVV so hard, the top 10's not so easy there uh, at all at RVV. It's more like a climbers race. There, Morish takes the top 10 spots uh, and co. Question. I don't think we're doing a, a, weekly, uh, a weekly episode this week, right, with all the races we've had? No. We are not. Because there's no, there's no stage race to preview either. Uh, yeah. The Paris, Paris Nice is. Uh, we'll have the preview of next week. We might do a preview of Paranis and Torreno as, as just sort of a separate episode this week. Yeah. But we're actually a bit light on the ground apart from Strada um, the next week, Saturday. So oh, I was waiting for the Lissa Man to wrap up, man. What did we learn from this opening weekend? Or the, what, what did we learn from the races in February, Ben? For, for me, it felt fairly similar to last year, as in 
I've got a feeling that Visma started off well in the same fashion of last year. I see a good Dili once again, and I have the same questions. Can Visma deliver this towards the classics where Vanderpool shows up? Because that's the big issue. That's the big question they need to solve. When Vanderpool enters the race, how they can, can they solve that? I think beating Alpecin and Vanderpool alone is going to be easier than if it was Vanderpool plus Pogacar and UAE. Because that's then two teams that will try and control any numerical advantage that Visma tries to gain in those races. Now with Alpecin, there's more of a possibility of that in RVV than, than last year, for example. So I think in RVV, there's better chance for Wout than last year or for the team of Visma than last year. But it still won't be easy because I think a lot of other teams like, like a quick step and so forth, they'll, they'll try and put people in, in anticipation moves again. And if Visma really wants to use their numerical event, they need to be a part of that and obviously needs to be chasing those kind of moves. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking for when it comes to the classics. And I'm curious what Peterson adds to the perspective of Trek because Steven did not look good today. Milan how was ill today, looked relatively okay on Omlope. And from like other perspectives, I don't know if, I don't know if like for, for Lotto whether the Lee is going to survive until RVV and Roubaix with the form he currently has because he was good at Omlope. But then again, he held it for a month, I think, last year's form. Is he going to be able to do that again? Will he be better at MSR in the meanwhile? Because MSR last year, he was pretty much dog shit, no offense. And I... What else did we learn? Quickstep Quick, hasn't solved their issues, Quick but Moscon is looking yeah. good. Quickstep looked bad. I only, I only feel like Moscon was good. He was yeah, that Asgren yesterday got dropped when they're going, got tough, and then today he Al-Philippe was... Uh, wasn't the split a bit, but then dropped, but crashed hard yesterday? Yeah. Alaphilippe was there, but yeah, Asgren was not even in the peloton today, in the peloton sprint, you know, with... Lampard. With Lampard, so... Don't know where he is. He was in there, but he's not, he can't sprint. He's like a system rider, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, they, they don't look like they're having a good classics campaign so far. Sudar Quickstep is kind of like last year. Yeah, you're right. It's the storylines of last year. Yep. Lefebvre will come out and say, judge us after Liège, Remco might win Liège, you know? It's like it's a lot of pressure on Remco and, yeah. and Malia, like, you know, Malia was very, very good in the desert. So that's, it's not all doom and gloom. Lamperti also top 10 the sprint in, in Kerner today. Uh, but yeah. But yeah, you don't do, you go, you, Jesus, you don't go to Kerner to top 10 if you're a quick step after the years you've had. No, no, but um, maybe it's, I was just expecting more from Asgren. I just, I just was. Yep. I believe I'm not surprised after his crash yesterday, you know, and all that's been going on, he struggled a little bit. So yeah, that's all from us. I uh, hope you enjoyed the recaps of what was a very, very busy week of racing. A uh, little tip of the hat to Joseph Blackmore, winning Tour de Rwanda as well for the Israel Premier Tech Academy team, uh, 21-year-old Britain, and uh, maybe uh, maybe Ineos, or maybe your FDJ, your group uh, FDJ, Benji, will come knocking. That's the spot, the spot for young Britons. Uh, oh yeah, true. Well. You're right. So yeah, that's just an interesting little result. Maybe that's given his age and maybe another team will be interested. So uh, tip of the cap to him. But hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to Join Cycling for their support this weekend. And we'll see you with maybe a Strider preview later in the week. Until then, ciao. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 